Hello, welcome back. You're back to the Dave Hadwick experience, rants and shit. I didn't think I'd get this out after last time. Um, I recorded two hours plus worth of material and it all went down the gurgler. For some reason, it didn't record and it was all about my experience and my journey to the Shaolin Temple. So here I am again, giving it another crack because I'm dedicated to this podcast. So, journey to the Shaolin Temple. Take two. Where do I begin? I'll begin right now by letting my dog off the leash, Mad Max, and letting him go for a little run, if he can keep up with me. Um, Back in the year 2000, it all started. It all started there, back in the year 2000. Actually, probably 1995, 95, I started with Kung Fu. And uh, the Kung Fu, the particular Kung Fu that I studied and still practice today, um, was called Wing Chun Kung Fu, or Yong Chun, or Ving Tsun. A couple of three different interpretations there, um, which came, was set, the legend says it originated from the famed Shaolin Temple and was developed by a Buddhist nun who lived at the Shaolin Temple um, in China. For those that don't know, quick geography lesson, the Shaolin Temple is in Henan Province, China, um, in the famous town of uh, Songshun, which is right about 100 kilometers, not even, from the Xi'an, maybe 60, I think, from the Xi'an terracotta warriors, the famous warrior statue figures is in the um, province of Xi'an, which was, at the time, the the capital of the Shaolin Temple. So, that's all changed now. The new capital is in Beijing. Um, so, but yeah, it was there and I wanted to go there. And my, in particular, back in the time of 2000, when I did go, or well, 1999, everyone thought the world was going to fucking end. It was ending, ending. Fucking doomsday, again. I don't know how many times people said the world's going to fucking end, but it was going to end. Max, yeah. Yeah. And anyway, I thought, well, if the world's going to end, I want to be at the Shaolin Temple. I want to be there with the warrior monks that could take on 10 men at a time with just a bow staff, which is a long staff, a long piece of wood. Um, I'd always had a massive obsession with the Shaolin Temple and Kung Fu Um, and my art, as I said before, legend has it, it originated from the Shaolin Temple Um, and so I wanted to trace its roots, trace its history, there's an old Kung Fu saying, always know the source of your water that you're drinking, you know, in other words, always know the source of your martial art and who the, the masters were and 
and the Sifus, which means teacher, or Sifu or Sensei in Kung Fu. Um, so I went to the Shaolin Temple. Um, the legend says that there was, the name Wing Chun means always spring. And the legend says that at the Shaolin Temple, there were the five top monks. And one of them was a Shaolin nun named Nu Moi. Now, Wing Chun is probably the only martial art that claims its fame to being a martial art designed by a woman. Uh, Muay Thai, karate and all that. You never hear about a woman saying, yeah, I made this famous. Anyway, um, at the time of the shout, this part in the... A good... How many years ago was it? At least 1,500 years ago, the Shaolin Temple was rebelling against the government at the time. And the government was the Qing... And they wanted to restore the Ming. So the, the, the flavor of the day was uh, destroy the Qing, restore the Ming. And anyway, um, the, the, the governments in China at the time got fed up with these Shaolin monk revolutionaries who were against, uh, they were just against all the bullshit that was going on in the country at the time, like the fucking taxes and everything. Like you was, you know, crazy second class citizens in your own country. So they were training fighters to start a revolution, um, which probably says something as to why the Chinese government fucking blew it up, I think, three or four times. That's fact. The last time they blew it up was in the 1960s, which isn't that long ago, during the Cultural Revolution. They destroyed fucking two-thirds of all the temples in China because it was Buddhist and they're communists and they don't fucking believe in God or Jesus or Buddha or Thor, or anything, you've just got to believe in their state propaganda bullshit, anyway, um, yeah, so there was these five top monks, there was Nu Moi, Thang Duk Do, Bak Mai, um, I forget the other two, come on, it's, it's been 20 years, but they're there, but the story of Nu Moi is she, she studied plum flower fist boxing, and these guys were in the middle, the five top monks were in the middle of designing a system of Kung Fu that could destroy opponent quickly. You didn't have to study for 10, 15, 20 years. Because at the time, uh, Kung Fu Shaolin, even the Shaolin Kung Fu was quite... It'd be like studying karate for 15 years till you became quite proficient and your body was tough. But Wing Chun um, was quite different. Um, the legend goes that one day Nu Moi, the nun, the, nun, the abbess, Nu Moi, um, was witnessed a fight between a crane and a snake. Because Wing Chun is snake and crane style. Crane arms, snake hands. And apparently she witnessed this fight and she mimicked the way the crane deflected the snake and etc and the direct line attacks of the snake and incorporated that into her system which was plum boxing she anyway she did not have time cut a long story short 
she didn't have time to finish the system before uh, a government, the government infiltrators. Um, the, the Shaolin Temple was sold out by Buck May, White Eyebrow Boxing. You may have seen him in the Kill Bill series. Um, he sold them out to the government and they were infiltrated, so they all had to escape. They all escaped out of uh, the Shaolin Temple and went in their own way. They went into the directions, the four directions of the wind. And the legend has it that the nun Nu Moi went south to a place called Foshan, or Fuchan, which is in southern China, um, far, far away from um, the middle temple, where she came across a young girl called Wing Chung, Yim Wing Chung, and which means always spring. And the problem was she was being bullied by a local bandit at the time to marry her and her husband was actually, oh, sorry, her fiance, she was engaged to be married, was away fighting um, the Mongols or the revolution, you know, the, the whoever. She was fighting someone and um, uh, Nui, Nui Moi witnessed this and took pity on her and said, go back, she took pity on her and said, go back and tell the bully who was a bandit, um, you will marry him, but first he must fight you in combat, right? Um, in one year, come back, because she needed to train. And apparently she took Yin Wing Chung up into the mountains, trained her for one year. She came down, kicked the shit out of this guy quite easily. And uh, that was it. She went on to marry her husband, uh, Ling Bok Chow. And this is where the Wing Chun history does actually get quite technical because you can trace that back. Anyways, I've been to the Shaolin Temple and I know one of my experiences was that there is actually a Buddhist temple right next door to the main Shaolin Temple, which was the male temple. And I asked the monk when I was there, how long has this temple been there? And he said, forever. It's been there just as long as the other temple. So, which was, I thought that was quite interesting. But anyway, back to my journey to getting to the Shaolin Temple. It started in none other than Vietnam. I was in Vietnam at the time, and my mission was to get to the Shaolin Temple. Um, I wanted to go there for the millennia, I wanted to be there, it was my mission, it was my childhood dream, my like, oh man, I want to go there, and um, by hook or by crook, I was going to get there, so I made my way from Vietnam and actually went overland, um, I crossed the border from Vietnam into China at a place called Lang Son. Lang Son is famous for many battles because it's the closest two cities or towns, if you call them that, um, between Vietnam and China. And Vietnam and China have been battling each other for thousands of years. Like they've just been, yeah, they've been arguing. Fair enough, Vietnam. China did invade you for 2,000 years. So that's why there's a lot of cross culture between China and Vietnam. But, anyways, I caught a train from Hanoi, which is the capital, it's the furthest 
major city in North Vietnam across over to China. Um, now, the tricky thing is, when I got there to the border crossing at Lang Son, there was military men there. And I'd read previously in the Lonely Planet Guide, make sure you got the correct visas. Make sure you have the correct visas. I'm like, yeah, me and my missus, she had to come with me because her dad said, can you take her with you? I went, because it's quite a historical place. But the Shaolin Temple is not only responsible for martial arts, it's responsible for basically Buddhism in China, if not Asia, the rest of Asia. It's 2,500 years old, this temple. And the legend has it that the famous monk Bodhidharma came over, floated across the Yangtze River on a reed and taught Buddhism there. But I'll get to that later on in the story. I'm just ranting right now, okay? But um, yeah, so she came with me. We caught a train all the way up to Langsun. It's quite mountainous in the middle of goddamn nowhere. And um, yeah, like... We were at this crossing. I hear, should I really go into the details? I think I should go into the intricate details. I had a good friend who I still am friends with today called Takeshi. He was a Japanese guy. There was, at this time in Vietnam, there was hardly any foreigners at all, even in China. Like it was the wild, wild west. And I hear, like, oh, arguing in that. And, um, because I can speak Vietnamese, I met my this guy, Takeshi, and he was getting ripped off by motorcycle taxis. And they were just like ripping him off. And they wanted to overcharge him. I ended up bailing his ass out and helped him cross over into uh, China. But it was quite different because, like I said before, I fucked up. I did not have the correct port of entry and exit on my passport. My port of entry was at Tansanyet Airport, which is in Saigon, all the way down the other end of the country. My port of exit on my passport was Tansanyet Airport, which, again, was fucking, you know, 2,000 kilometers away and a good week and a half. Um, so when I got to the border crossing at the fucking uh, Checkpoint Charlie there, the guards are looking at me and said, oh, you can't leave, you can't leave. I think, what was I? Oh, Jesus, I must have been 19 or 20 years old at the time. They said, you can't leave here. You need to go all the way back and get the correct paperwork uh, to leave Vietnam. I didn't have that option. So, me in my, at the time, not bad, but probably a bit broken Vietnamese, said, bang yu ting, which means how much money. And they just, straight away, the smiles ripped across their faces. These guys know, like, mind you, I've heard they're the hardest to bribe in all of Southeast Asia. These border patrol guys, the, 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 the checkpoint guys going from Vietnam into China. And they were friendly as, but they wanted to see the green, the green back. <laughs> So I said, Banyu, I just saw the looks on their faces. I'm like, okay, these guys aren't too bad. They definitely want money. Um, and they said to me, $100. I'll just put my dog on a leash. $100. I was prepared to pay that. 
because I wasn't travelling all the way back to fucking Hanoi to the Australian Embassy to get a stamp on my passport to say I could leave Vietnam through that part, Lang Son. Um, so then they just said, oh, they had a, like, a joking look on their face, like a hundred bucks was too much. So I'm like, and they went 50, and <laughs> 50 dollars, num, num chup, num chup do. And I'm like, okay, sweet, num chup do la, no worries, come cross out, that was good, that was all good, like, yep, 50 bucks, I handed it over to them. They were happy. And then, next thing I know, we're taking photos and drinking honeys together, which is crazy. These guys are standing there with freaking AK-47s, drinking Heinekens and taking snapshots with me. And I'm telling them, Merry Christmas. Like, these guys knew it was Christmas. Uh, however, the situation turned when... I crossed, there's about a 100 meter walk. It's gotta be at least 100 meters. Between one checkpoint to the next checkpoint, it's about a 100 meter walk from Lang Son into China. I don't even remember the name of the town. I don't even think it was a town. But from Vietnam into China, you gotta walk about 100 meters um, down a dirt road. This is all, it's all bush, there's nothing around. There's no one around. Um, to the next checkpoint. As I'm approaching this checkpoint, I see this Chinese military guy there in the, um, what do you call them, those bloody army box, those boxes there with the stripes and shit on them and the little boom gate. <laughs> really old school stuff. And he's there punching the box, just staring at me, like whacking it, boom, boom, as hard as he can. He was a short, stocky little dude, but he looked like a bloody little, like, a, yeah, hard, he was hard snot running out of his nose and like didn't care like this is the guy that we're gonna get to freaking run towards the enemy to strap a bomb on him and say you go do that boy and he'd be like ah, just a fucking mental case anyway he um he was there punching that and just look at me on holy shit he doesn't look very friendly like welcome to our country he's there punching the freaking you know guard box and I went past him, dodged him. He, some other people came out actually. Three or four guys came out, all with machine guns. And they checked my papers. We went into the box because it was all very official. I mean, shit, I was legit. I had, I had the stamp on my freaking visa, on my passport. What could they say? Um, so we're walking there, but I was actually quite nervous. Not because of that, but because of one thing. They could have got me on, which they didn't. I had a copy of a book that was banned in China at the time, and is still banned today in uh, 2021, called Zwan Falun. It's a Buddhist Taoist book, on deep, uh, very deep book on uh, Buddhist philosophy. I recommend anyone to read it. If they really want to know about Buddhism, read this book. It's called Zhuan Falun, which means turning the law wheel, uh, written by Master Li Hongzhi. A lot of the Falun Gong people read this book and um, go by the philosophy in there. It's quite interesting, quite a deep, deep book. But um, yeah, so I was worried. I had that copy of my book in my suitcase and I'm thinking, holy shit balls. If the, gov if the Chinese government find me with this book 
in my bag. I'm fucked. Like, they're literally killing people for this, for having this book. And um, for whatever reason, I don't know, when they went through my suitcase, they didn't find it. Like, it sticks out like dog's balls. It's a, it's a bright blue book. And um, it's not very thick, 300-something pages. But, um, yeah, it was really, really strange how... Anyway, we go through. I went through my mate Takashi. He was hanging with me for a few days. He was heading up. We were going in the same direction. That's the coolest thing about traveling around Asia. You just meet people going in the same direction that you're going. On the backpack hippie trailer full of zombie. You know, everyone's going. And so you catch up with people. They give you recommendations or, you know, leave food, little Easter eggs, whatever, behind. Um, yeah, so... I was in China, I'd gone through, I did what they said couldn't be done, I didn't want to go all the way back to Hanoi to the embassy and freaking stuff around getting a stamp on my visa, like, it, was just, it was an eight hour train ride from bloody Hanoi to Lang Son and that was enough and this train going through the mountains, the, mate I've been on some roller coaster rides that were nowhere near as scary as this thing. And, um, yeah, so we're in China on our way to the famous Shaolin Temple. We're on our way there. And about, we were on a bus because at this stage there was no buses. I mean, sorry, no trains, no cars, um, yeah, no highways. <laughs> so we're on this at this spot but I, th I remember it took it was like a bus leaving in it was a couple of hours I think it might have been about four or five hours till we could get any sort of transportation north into China even deeper so like I'm just there and I'm just thinking well am I going to go deeper into the rabbit hole of this crazy place like Vietnam's like the land they, it's known as the land of the smiles whatever that means but I can tell you what people are much more friendly <laughs> they're a communist country but I went to China I'm like holy shit these guys aren't fucking around like you know gotta keep your wits Dave and that we, we ended up catching a bus out of the other side of Langson in China, the China side and we came to a massive halt during the night at this by this stage the night time had fallen and fucking four cops they were cops because they had blue uniforms on they weren't army the army guys wear the green the cops wear the blue they jumped on the bus and they wanted the fucking wanted to see everyone's identification and where you're going and all that because there's a lot of smugglers and stuff that bring shit in from vietnam vice versa into china at this point um it's a bit it's a bit of a smuggler's route um and he shined the, my torch in my face. He shined his torch in my face. And then he's like tried to fucking grab my suitcase and opening it and this and that. And I'm like sort of ushered him away. Like, and pulled out my passport and just showed him. And he just like looked at it and went. Rah! And fucked off. They pissed off. They got off the bus and we kept going. And I'm like really weird. Um, no one was talking to anybody. Uh, it just wasn't friendly at all. 
and um, I mean, you, you're man. If you're a foreigner in Vietnam and you jump on a bus, like you're the bee's knees. Like everyone wants to get to know you and meet you. Like so, I'm just. I was really uh, not sure what the hell they stopped us for. Um, I think they may have been looking for people heading up towards the old capital in Beijing at Tiananmen Square. I can't be sure on that. It's a protest against the government's crackdown on the peaceful movement of Falun Gong. Anyway, um, the next day we arrive in Guangzhou. This is going to get a bit scary, guys. It's going to, it's going to be a bit dark until I get to the Shaolin Temple. But yeah, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. That's what I tell my kids sometimes. Anyway, and it's so true, you know. Um, we get to Guangzhou, also known in Cantonese as Canton. So we get to Canton and we're at the train station the bus pulls up at the train station all the buses come in because there's like one train line going you know to places and it's very similar to vietnam those old style communist trains rattlers um, we used to call them red rattlers down in melbourne or the blue rattlers but they're just green anyways um we get there and I hear this at f yeah I hear at f I hear this rah, rah, someone screaming an old man screaming like what the hell my wife's there we're just watching our shit because there's man thieves everywhere in China like if you you cannot it's not like Japan you can't put your freaking bag down and walk off it'll be gone you blink it's gone mate like there's thieves everywhere and so I said, to my, I had to go to the toilet, and I said to my missus, "What's the bag?" Um, I went to the toilet, and I'll come back to this story. Hang on, I hear this man screaming, an old man. I'm like, "What the hell? What is that?" And so, like the whole crowd sort of gathering, I see this army guy in the whole square. Like there must have been about. Easy, 20, 30, 50,000 people. China is busy. Oh, you think Vietnam's busy, mate? The population in China is insane. First night I was there in a major city, I was scared to go outside my my hotel because I couldn't believe how many people were there. Anyway, this old man is there being beaten by the army guy with a big, thick bamboo pole, and he's hitting him quite hard he hit him that hard he broke the bamboo broke it and this old man was just like wailing he looked like he was like 70 80 plus years old easy and he's breaking it and he saw me i was the only foreigner there at the time i mean i'm not being, you know i'm not being raised but my wife was she's vietnamese and you know my mate takeshi was china uh, japanese sorry so they probably thought he was chinese but anyway fucking he's like wow whacking him whacking the fucking shit out of him like i'd never seen anything like this ever fucking i was so mad i went up to him and went hey and he goes Ugh! looked at me like that and he stopped hitting the guy and told everyone to piss off and he stopped hitting him and i don't know they took the old man away i don't know what he did i don't know if he was a pickpocket if he was a thief he was pretty he wasn't you know 
the cleanest looking guy um was he going to protest against what was happening with the uh the whole Falun Gong movement there that the Chinese were trying to crack down on because they thought it was too it was too big it was too popular and they were worried like you know it's crazy these people are just peaceful people peacefully doing their Tai Chi meditation you know and that's it um anyway that I was glad that somehow I I had a part in stopping that because I thought it was out, outrageous like you know I coming from you know good old Melbourne Australia if that had been in Australia that cop would have been dead mate people would have beaten the shit out of him at least back then anyway um against the perpetrator um so then that stopped and we got some breakfast some noodles and I had to go to the toilet I'm like toilet toilet trying to because back I could speak Vietnamese so, so for me to ask somebody where the toilet is in Vietnamese is no problem I tell you what you never feel like a fish out of water when you're in another country and people have absolutely no clue what you're saying like talk about feeling lost like they just look at you like yeah, you may as well be going blah, blah, blah. they don't have a fucking clue and it's like fuck pee pee but some certain body language signals are universal like you point to your dick and you're like psh, 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 you know or you're up psh, psh, psh. people know and so i was gestured to go to a place in a plate in a restaurant and um i went there and for some reason i was it, this place is tiny too like space is really tight in china um and I was ushered to go upstairs to a place and gestured that that's, there was like a hole in the ground. It looked like it was about the size of a, a shower hole. And I was gestured to that's where you got to go, buddy. So, lo and behold, I go there. I had to do a number two, but uh, did that, wipe my ass, right as rain. I'm coming out, the fucking head chef's coming out after me too at the same time. I just fucking ran. Come at me with a fucking meat cleaver. Apparently, I'm not meant to... The sign said, I'm not meant to shit there, but I can piss. How the fuck do I know? Sorry. I'm sorry. Me casa, su casa. Like, I'll, I'll never forget that. I shit myself. Literally, almost. Ran. And then, anyway, um, we managed to organise a train up to uh Zhengzhou because I'm like fuck this I'm sick of being on a goddamn bus in China it's terrible it's dangerous at least you know what are the chances you're going to crash into another train when you're on a train track you know so we organized some tickets to uh Zhengzhou and from Zhengzhou Zhengzhou is the new capital of where the Shaolin Temple is, and from there we will go to Dangfeng. I think it was about a two-day train ride. Um, you know, two days of eating food, you don't really know what you're getting, and drinking the local fucking Tsingtao beer, which tastes like ass, badass, mind you. Um, anyway, we're on the train. We get to um, we get to Zhengzhou. Zhengzhou is the capital. Oh, I think it had like 
20 million people back then, and it's not even a big city. Um, so we're on the train ride. Not much to say about that. Although I will regress back before we got that train, I remember we went out because, uh, we, no, we stopped in Sheshwan. Shesh, was it Sheshwan? It could have been Sheshwan, then Canton. This is 20 years ago, guys, plus 22 nearly for me. Because um, it's 2021 now, and this was back in 1999. The, the clock hadn't ticked over yet. The world had not fucking ended. Um, anyway, we're out in either Sheshwan or Guangzhou. If anyone, any listeners want to correct me on probably what route I would have taken, I'd appreciate it. Uh, email me at dhadwick underscore dot com dot au um, or just contact me on Facebook Messenger, David Hadwick. Um, yeah, so we're in Sheshwan and my, because I, I think it was, because I remember it was famed for the spicy food and Sheshwan is known for spicy food. Um, and we're at this restaurant with my wife. I, I tell you what, I, one thing I give credit to when they feed you in China, they feed you, man. If you order a meal, it's massive. Vietnam's, the people, I mean, it's far out, man. China, the food, the plates are always huge, like huge, like Wog style. I don't know why, even anywhere. And we're there eating something to eat. And I noticed these two guys casing out my mate Dakashi, who had his backpack there, sitting there. He only had a small backpack. I had a fucking suitcase. I don't know why. My wife made me have this shit suitcase so here i am traveling around china with a fucking blue suitcase on wheels never again i think i threw that thing in the bin when i got back to australia anyway they, i noticed these two shifty buggers they look scruffy as two like these guys were they looked like they were in about their 20s but they were fucking yeah hood rats Ugh, grubby i don't know if there was crackheads back there in china these guys were it they were dirty, their hair was fucking not messy, but they were in their 20s, like, ugh. And they walked past, and he's gone to grab his bag. I stood up, like, ugh. And they fucking backed off like they knew I was onto them. And, um, and I said, Takeshi, man, you gotta watch your bag, dude. You're in, like, you're in China. You're gonna get rolled. Like, this is how I met him in Vietnam. Japanese are so polite and innocent, they just don't expect to get rolled. And anyway, he's like, oh, 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 domo, domo, you know, thank you, thank you. And um, that was it. We went on fucking, um, that's right. We were in Sheshuan because I remember we departed in Guangzhou um, in Canton. And I kept going all the way up to the Shaolin Temple to Zhengzhou. And then on to, from the, because it's about another, oh, shit, maybe 60, 80 Ks. No, no, maybe, maybe 50. It's about, it's about a one-hour bus ride from Zhengzhou to Dengfang. So from Dengfang, I, I get the train to Zhengzhou, then I go to Dengfang, which is, yeah, about half an hour, 40 minutes. So Dengfang is actually where the Shaolin Temple is. You have Songshan, which is right near there, which is at the Shaolin Temple, Songshan, which means little little forest, is where the Shaolin Temple is. So from there, 
bang, wouldn't you, no and behold, I'm there, I'm there, what I've wanted to do, what I've wanted to do since I was a kid, I'm at the Shaolin Temple, and it was everything I thought it would be, like, it was everything, like, I'm walking along and I can hear, as you coming, as you get closer towards the town, go mate, yeah, good mate, as you get closer towards the town, all you can hear is like, rah, 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 people training. And these guys are training. So I'm like, starting to get hard on. Like, holy shit, this is, I'm finally here. It was the winter too at the time, so it was quite cold. I'm talking minus 20, minus 30. Like, it gets that cold there. There's guards at the temple making sure no one tries to escape because it's that cold. Um, so was it everything that I thought it would be? Yes. And also no, because I was a little bit disappointed. I didn't think I would see anyone there apart from a handful of monks that were just there doing their Kung Fu. Was I wrong? There was fucking thousands of, thousands of, uh, from five to 25 years old peoples. Uh, all training there at the famous Shaolin Temple under the guise that Max, hey, oh, there my dog, he's ran off. Max here, here. Here he comes. <laughs> um, yeah. Where'd you go, hey? Um, yeah, all there training under the, like, the, the logic being, I asked someone, why is there so many people training here? And they said, well, if they come from some shitty little village out in the backwaters of China, and they can get somehow, they can train at the Shaolin Temple for a year, two years, I think it was max, like five years, kind of like an apprenticeship. They can go back to their town and teach Kung Fu there, and that's a way of them earning a living. So I'm like, okay, that's cool, you know. Um, and at my, as, as my time progressed, I was there for one month. Uh, um, I realized that there are some real Shaolin monks there. Not even a hundred. There is, at the time, there was twelve. Twelve. Ah, stop eating the bag. There was 12 genuine Shaolin monks there that were like practicing Buddhists that actually practiced the deadly art of Shaolin Kung Fu. And the rest were all, they would shave their heads and they weren't really Buddhist monks at all. They were just, they had to shave their heads for some weird reason, I don't know. But there was only, yeah, definitely like 10 or 12 real monks there, um, which was a bit disappointing. So like all those guys you see that come around and they, they tour the world and they do these amazing feats. They're not actually real Shaolin monks. They're just performers. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit of a bummer to me. I'm like, oh, shit, they've gone mainstream. The Shaolin temple's gone mainstream. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Um, so we came in in the Arvo. I actually met up with a mate of mine that I was training Kung Fu with, Lockie. Uh, he was there and he was, he'd been there for a week or two 
previously before me, he'd been there for a week or two before me, so he'd sussed it all out for me. We were training Kung Fu together at the same school in Melbourne. And I asked him everything, and he's like, man, it's not what you think. It's like, and I'm like, oh, fuck. But anyway, I got over it pretty quick. I was still glad just to be there uh, historically. Like, I thought maybe I could get some Kung Fu Juju. And um, I went into one place. It's called the Famous Hall. The famous training hall, and that's where all the Kung Fu monks, it's still there today. It's probably one of the oldest parts of the temple that didn't get quite destroyed, and it's a paved area. And in there, you can see ingrained footprints of where the Shaolin monks have been, like, practicing their forms and their training and stamping on the ground, and they've actually indented the pavers. So this part of the temple's so old, I actually... Um, put my foot in there you know it's off limits but i couldn't help it i sort of i sort of jumped over the barrier and stuck my foot in there for a second and then got it out just hoping i'd get a little bit of juju kung fu from the shaolin monks so um and i, I remember uh, going around the temple many times and there was one monk there like he was a genuine monk he would sit there and you would burn incense and he'd do his form. This guy, I swear to God, jumped frickin' 12 feet in the air and landed like a cat. Just absolutely, like, light on his feet. Because they would practice Qigong and that, but they, I, the Chinese government fucked it all up because they don't really, you know, they changed the forms, they went in there, they, they burnt the temple down, like the library and everything. Can you imagine, like, what was lost? To history because of that like um and i would ask a lot of the performing monks you know what do they what do they think about ha jigong and that or qigong qigong means energy work it's like that's how where they um get their power to to break bricks and all that and they just said oh it's not there's no magic there's no chi there it's just like you know, hard work just training they're just like physically conditioned these guys get up like the whole place shaolin wakes up fucking early mate it doesn't matter what seven days a week uh you know you can hear when you get woken up you don't need an alarm clock at 4 30 in the morning it starts they run um thousands 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 in like squad form they're running they're punching and they're kicking and they do that and then they go back they do bag work then they do forms and they do oh it just doesn't end eight hours eight hours a day non-stop who's got that dedication and then they do uh zanda or sanshu which is like a traditional chinese form of um like muay thai or kickboxing and these guys fucking kick poles mate steel poles they don't kick wooden bamboo poles or banana trees. They kick actual steel poles. Um, I befriended one guy there, Shun Li. Um, he, which means little mountain, um, he had been there up until the time for a long, uh, the longest probably foreigner there, and they loved him. He knew everything. This young German kid, he was so cool, 18 years old. He's, he, he went to go there. He left Germany because he had a heroin addiction. He went there and found his path, found his, found his, um, found, you know, his, his, his tribe, his vibe. I'd love to catch up with him. Um, I won't say his name. 
out there. I won't put it out there, but yeah, Shun Li. He's always remembered as Shun Li, Little Mountain. And he knew everything about the Shaolin Temple and fluent Chinese, man. Um, he was a mad dreader. He's got, you want me to kick something real hard? I said, what? He goes, I'll kick out of them. I'll leave my shins in that condition. He also fought in a lot of the, lot of, a lot of the local sand shoe competitions, and, um, which is the kickboxing competitions they have in China. And I said, kick that pole, man. Fucking bang, dong. Like nothing. Like it was nothing. Unbelievable. Anyway. Um, so many stories. There was one time I went to send, send a letter back to Australia. Because this is pre-internet too, I guess. Um, 2000, yeah. Internet wasn't as big as what it is now. So you didn't send a fucking email. You sent a letter like a real person. Got my feather out and shit. No, I'm not that old. But um, I remember sending a letter. And I went to Semwan. And he said to me, don't send him. He found out the dude at the local shop who sold stamps would keep the stamps and not send the letter and just resell the stamps. How dodgy is that? Like, and yeah, it was quite interesting, man. Um, but I remember there doing the forms in the temple on my own and, and uh, going all the way up to um, the mountain, the big mountain behind the Shaolin Temple, Bodhidharma was up there. Uh, Bodhidharma is the guy that took Buddhism to China he floated across the Yangtze River on a reed. So the legend says, went to the Shaolin Temple, saw that the monks were weak and said, I will teach you the 18 Lohan methods of exercise, kind of like a yoga type, Kung Fu type of thing. And the monks said, no, da da da. And he went up into the mountain, uh, Songshan Mountain, and meditated apparently for nine years facing the wall. And he's, he was at... Facing the wall for so long, his shadow is actually etched onto the wall. So what did the Chinese government do? They cut the fucking bit out of the cave and stick it in a glass monument so you can see his shadow. Like, but um, <laughs> it was just nuts to go there. Um, my darling, my darling wife uh, absolutely hated China coming from Vietnam <laughs> and left me on New Year's Day. New Year's Day. She's like, I fucking hate this place. I'm going back to Vietnam. I said, well, I didn't ask you to come. Your dad asked me to come. You're not going to spoil my, my time here. So see you later, Jack. And that was the end of that. But hell, New Year's Eve um, at the Shaolin Temple was insane. What do we do? What do we do? We had our... Uh, everywhere over there at the Shaolin Temple, there's like different schools of Kung Fu that are training and one of the schools that, uh, that we were trying we were kind of like at the main top school where there was a, a Shaolin monk big massive air quotes he was a legit monk but yeah slash sold out to become a businessman like I've never seen a monk walk around with a freaking briefcase and a fucking mobile phone but this guy had done his time I guess but yeah maybe you shouldn't disrespect the roads and you know, you got to, <laughs> what are you? So you got to be spiritual, I mean. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's like, yeah, didn't the Buddha say, uh, want nothing and gain naturally? Um, but anyway, 
we, I was wearing the tracksuit and the jacket, which I still have to this day, of the Shaolin school I was staying at. And all the top, all the monks that had actually um, trained there and branched off to do their, make, to, to start up their own schools, they were kind of in rivalry. Not really, like not, I mean, not full on, but like, yeah, they were in a bit of rivalry with each other. And um, it was kind of cool. And I was at the top one. Um, like those guys that you see that do perform and that, that was that school, that particular school. Like all these guys were the top monks. They were the top performers that would travel around the world. Sometimes defect. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and I remember going to the, um, the Buddha, the, the, the pagoda forest. Like you see these massive old statues all around the Shaolin Temple where all the previous masters have been buried. Some of these are thousands of years, so it was really a real honor to be able to do that and to go there. Um, yeah, so what was I, where was I going with all this? Um, yeah, I don't know. But I would love, to, it was so cool just, to, yeah, that's right, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, we're there, we went, because there was not much happening at all in Dangfang. Um, Dangfang's pretty, it's, it's a very small town. It's not even a town, really. But the main city was Yangzhou. My mate Sean Lee hooked up with this black American chef who was working there, African-American, whatever to be PC. He was working in Yangzhou as a chef. And he was, he'd be kind, he was, I think he was working at the Marriott somewhere, I don't know. And, um... We went and hooked up with him, and then later on we went out to a nightclub, and uh, Chinese men are quite, I don't know, they, they think they're macho, but I don't know, but like, where they're absolutely hammered drinking their freaking rice wine and shit, and um, all of a sudden... The, the, there was a table next to us and lo and behold it was like the local triad bloke who was there and he wanted to arm wrestle me for some reason he wanted to arm wrestle me and don't ask me why it's just I don't know maybe because I was the fucking smallest and he was quite small too but he had some fucking swagger in the town I know that so, all right, we're, we're arm wrestle, and he thought he had me all the way down, pinned all the way down almost, and I did a little slight kung fu move where I faced my point of contact, and so I kind of, instead of using my arm, I got my whole frame behind my arm and just fucking launched him off the chair, and he got real upset, and all of a sudden we had to get, we got ushered out of the nightclub and put into a taxi, and I can't really remember too much after that, except for fucking my missus saying, I'm going back to Vietnam. So that was hilarious in a way, because she went all the way back to Vietnam on her own. And I remember when I saw, I caught up with her later on back in Vietnam. Everybody thought I was fucking Chinese the whole time. It took me three days to get back here. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, so one month I was there which was very cool, but, um, hey, come here, but, um, the only, when I, 
after a month of being there, I got a bit fed up. And because it's freezing cold conditions, I hate the cold. Um, it was cool. I did what I wanted to do. I sussed it out. Uh, and that was about it. Max, here. It's all right. Come on. And yeah, that was it. So I thought, what? I think it was in the afternoon. I'm like, fuck this. I want to go back to my missus. I miss her. I miss Vietnam. China's fucked up. Like, oh, talk about Fubar, mate. That's a fucking communist country. But it was good to go there and experience it, you know. I said, okay, I'm going back. So there was one train, only one train going uh, from Zhengzhou to the south of China, back to Guangzhou, uh, a day. Um, so I had to catch that train. I think it was about like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. So I catch a bus from Dangfeng to Zhengzhou on my own. There's like people fucking riding around on donkey carts and all that sort of stuff. Um, and plus I was getting low on funds. I had funds, but I was low on Chinese funds. So I, here I am. I rock up to this bank in China. Look like like a tiny small post office, but that was the major bank. This was in Dengfeng, actually, because I knew by the time I went to Zhengzhou, actually, that's right, I wouldn't be able to change any cash. I pulled out a freaking Grey Ghost, if anyone remembers those old $100 notes in Australia. And this guy's looked at me, and he goes, ah, he wouldn't fucking change it. He didn't know, he's like, that's, he didn't know if that was a fucking real $100 note. There's a lot of counterfeit in China. And I'm like, mate, come on I'm, I hadn't and I had enough yuan to buy a ticket and that was about it so I wanted to get the fuck out of there I'd made up my mind and he wouldn't change my fucking money so I'm like okay I'll bite the fucking bullet I'll spend two days on a fucking train ride going to Guangzhou and I'll change I know they had the uh, Bank of China there that would definitely certify my hundred dollar note and that was it. And it actually turned out to be quite a pleasant um, train ride. As shit and hungry as it was, man, the, 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 the local Chinese there were... I was the only foreigner on the train. Like, it was a packed train, but they were dumbfounded to see me. Who this crazy white guy with the Shaolin t-shirt? Like, they knew. And everyone from around that area does some sort of martial art. It's nuts. Tai Chi or something or some sort of qigong, slow-moving meditation. It's just crazy. And I, the, the, I remember one thing that stuck out. This little kid was giving me an orange. He's like, you, he could see I was hungry. Because I had no money for food either. Like, I had a little bit, but I ran out. I, 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 I saw myself short. I shouldn't have ran out that quick. But I ran out of fucking food. And anyways, fucking... We get, after two and a half day fucking train ride, on the shittest train ever, we get to Guangzhou, Canton City, in southern China, which is where the Vietnamese embassy was. That's right. I didn't have a stamp to get back in. I just remembered. I didn't have a visa to get back into Vietnam from China, um, but I did have one to leave. Well, fuck yeah, allegedly. 
and I remember catching, I'm just feeding my chickens, get back, yep. I remember when I got to Canton that the, I was starving, starving, and I knew I, I'd cashed up, I went to the bank, this is all within 10 minutes, and I see this little fat Chinese kid wobbling down the street, like he looked, he was well fed, you know, this wasn't a poor Chinese kid, plus he was in, they, they, it's weird, they seem, it seems like they've adopted the Catholic uh, school system's uniform there, like, you could see he was a, a, a well-up kid. And I just looked at him and gestured. I went, McDonald. And he fucking pointed to down the road. So I just fucking ran. I remember I ordered, like, four fillet of fish, chips, Coke. And it was, like, the same price here, which is quite pricey for China. Um, and just munched out hardcore. And then I had my Lonely Planet guide uh, for China. And... It signaled me, and yeah, I, I was looking to for accommodation. So I can't remember the name of the island, but it was a little, like, island just off the coast of China. Uh, sorry, just off the coast of Guangzhou, what am I saying? I've had, I've had a couple of beers now, guys. Give me some, give me some, um, some leeway. But I feel like, I don't know, I don't want to be that drunk podcaster either. But I feel like some of these podcasts, I have to do pissed. Otherwise, it's going to be fucking boring as shit. If I don't, you know, tell it how, raw dog it how it is. Hey, outside. Ah. Dog's just trying to sneak in. I'm home now. I've just been walking in. But he's got to realise when he stops pissing on the floor, he can come in. It's only a puppy. He's a little... Fox Terrier smooth coat. Cute little madman Max. Hey Jake, I'm home. Hello. Hello. Yeah, anyway. So I go to Macca's and oh, it was like heaven. Filet of fishes. And they sell beer at Macca's too. And 7-Eleven. See, they don't do that shit in Australia. You can't buy beer at 7-Eleven. Well, you couldn't in Melbourne back then. I think you can now. But you sure as shit can't in freaking Queensland. That's for sure. So that's like just the icing on the cake. But, um, yeah. So there I am. Um, having my food. I went back to the hotel. And um, the next day I checked in to the embassy the Vietnamese embassy to apply for a passport. It's the only place in uh, China that you can contact the consulate. So I spent about a week in Guangzhou and went over to Fachan, which is near Guangzhou as well, to check out the Wing Chun because the legend has it that that's where Nu Moi went from the Shaolin Temple. But, um, yeah, it was just unbelievable. It was a good experience and I really got to see what it was like in a big city in China, and fucking cops, man, were booking people for shit, like, this is back in 2000, they're getting up people for not wearing a fucking helmet, and any excuse they could find to fucking, you know, just crucify someone, it just, yeah, anyway, um, so that was it, like, 
I ended up flying. I wasn't going to get in the fucking bus and the train again. So thanks to my Ostudy money that I was getting off the government, uh, I ended up flying for $100 from Guangzhou to, I think, did I fly to Saigon or back to Hanoi? I think I actually, no, I flew right south. I flew all the way down to Saigon. Okay, back to the Dave Hadwick experience. Ranching shit. Um, doing a sober October. Uh, basically going the whole month without alcohol. Um, yeah. I think it's good, especially with the silly season just around the corner, to give the old liver ticker a rest. Um, I'm not copying Joe Rogan or anything. I've been, I've been doing Sober Octobers for, you know, the last 30 years. So, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all, I don't think. <clears throat> and so, today is October the 1st, 2021. Day one. For the rest of your life. Yeah. I have been hitting it pretty hard lately. So. <clears throat> it's always good to have a little break. Every now and then. Um, what's been happening. The missus had a wild party last night. She had a heap of Vietnamese ladies come over. And. It's going to be noisy when there's alcohol. Vietnamese women drinking alcohol. And there's a karaoke machine there. Yeah. It's going to get wild. Um, but that was good, everyone was, um, well behaved, I got four days off, yeehaw, four days off from work, so, uh, I'm gonna get back into the gym, back into jits, hoping to get my blue belt, um, yeah, get some comps in, yeah, uh, gonna get some pizza today, didn't end up going out to the sit-down comedy last night, I ended up getting too squirrely. And, um, yeah, I think I called my, my neighbour, old Sean, and, um, <laughs> just dribbled and ranted to him, yeah, so, it's good having uh, four days off, I'll take my daughter out for a drive, get her some hours up and just hang out with the family, you know, I've been needing this and it's gonna get real busy soon too, so anyway, that's about it from me today. Just a quick one, so I'm going to do a short little podcast um, every day about how I'm feeling and just note the effects of how I feel without drinking alcohol too because every time I stop, I seem to just, my energy levels, everything just increases dramatically and um, yeah, so today's going to suck, today's going to be the withdrawal day, I always like you know, come from late in the afternoon when I'm usually going to have a beer or whatever, I'll start getting that lull and that craving and like, ugh, my brain's becoming dopamine deficient and I need a little alcoholic stimulation, but not today. Yeah, so that's it for me. I'll see you later.